light of infinite. The Talmud teaches that in the merit of righteous women, our ancestors were redeemed from Egypt. Redemption is intrinsically related to women. Malchut, sovereignty, and the divine feminine dimension. I mentioned in my Dvar a couple weeks ago in Parshat Lech Lecha that when I think of my mother, I think of Tzedaka and Chesed, words that are hard to translate because they capture the real depths of words like generous, giving, loving, and kindness. My mom embodied and exemplified these qualities to an angelic degree. So full of life, love, warmth, and light at every turn, at every single moment. Being around that inspired me to be more loving, more giving, more full of zest for each moment of life. As I read this Parsha about Sarah's life and transition to the next world, and Rivka as a young girl and her transition into the next chapter of her life, I think of their chesed, loving kindness, and the chesed that has been shown to me and what effect it has had on me. I wasn't the best student. I always felt constricted by how it was all structured. I wanted more freedom to express myself. Didn't help that I was going to a school where there was a strict dress code. For the one year that I went to Jewish high school, I remember wearing pink pants and a black shirt. The administration thought I was on drugs. But in my head, I was thinking, I'm not on drugs. I just listen to hip hop and alternative music, and I want to express myself through fashion just as much as through music. To this day, drugs have never spoken to me. I was just different, and I was judged and dealt with accordingly. Tiferet, harmony, and grace come from the balancing of Gevura, judgment, and chesed, loving kindness. I felt as someone who was different that it was easier to deal with me with the weight being placed on Gevura more than chesed. Problem is that this pushes a kid further away, whereas the balance can teach a lesson while bringing them closer. I think the only way I even made it through getting kicked out of these two Jewish high schools and going to three years of non-Jewish school was the chesed that came from my mom that sustained me. We can't even begin to understand the power of chesed in this world and the next. Before I go into the parasha of Sarah and Rivka and their chesed, I want to share one more story about when I was in college. I saw college as a microcosm of the world. I went to the University of Maryland. It had 40,000 students, its own major newspaper, a radio station, a TV station, and so much more. There were things I could do without my mom's help, and I did, such as running the radio station as a music director and a DJ. I had a show called Futterman's Rule, and I would play and talk about music and bring on artists to perform live. I also wrote for the newspaper. All of that I was capable of, but I had a dream to manage artists and start a record label, releasing music to the world and getting it the attention and love that I had for it. That required someone to believe in my dream and support it financially as well. So many dreams don't even get started, as most have suffolk, doubt in themselves, and if they don't have support around them pushing them to believe, they don't even stand a fighting chance. My mom helped me push past my suffolk and into manifestation. She fronted the money I needed to press the CDs that I produced, getting the distribution deal, and do official releases. I signed a few artists and got their albums on the charts all while selling out shows in DC for them while finishing college. This is all to say it paved the way through her kindness to every project I've done since. If she had simply birthed me, one can say that that would have been enough. But she facilitated the birth of my dreams, and for that I am forever grateful. King Solomon in Kohelet writes, One man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among all of those I have not found. Rabbeinu Bachia comments that Solomon was referring to the golden calf, the sin of the golden calf, and that among all those who sinned, there was not one woman. Yet women played a major role in contributing to and helping for the building of the Mishkan, even though they had no sin to atone for. Chazal, our sages state, Hashem gave women greater understanding than he gave men. This is seen in their righteousness and being first to contribute to the Mishkan, despite their not needing to atone for the golden calf. King Solomon states in Mishle, the wisdom of women builds her house. The Mishkan is the home that we are tasked to build as a dwelling place for the revelation of the concealed. 
We must all learn from women how to build a temple of generosity within and around us. The Parsha is named the life of Sarah, Chaye Sarah, and its first Pasuk, the first verse, is strangely written. And the life of Sarah was a hundred years, and twenty years, and seven years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. There are endless commentaries on the very odd phrasing. Why not just say she was 127? Rashi and many others teach that it's written in such a way, adding the word years to each group, to teach that at the age of 100, Sarah was like 20 years old in regards to sin. And when she was 20, she was like that of a seven-year-old in regards to beauty. And all her years were equal in goodness. This, of course, seems strange to think of a seven-year-old as being viewed as more beautiful than a 20-year-old. But Rashi is not speaking of beauty in the physical sense, but the beauty of her deeds. The actions of a seven-year-old are viewed favorably and not judged in the same of that of a 20-year-old, to whom different standards are applied. So Rashi is teaching that her deeds at 20 were as flawless and beautiful as that of a child. Rab Nachman of Breslov teaches that there are four levels of humility. To be humbler than those that are greater than you, to be humbler than your equals, to be humbler than those that are lesser than you, and finally, if you are the most humble person, to strive to become even more humble. The essence of life, especially in Olam Haba, the next world, is one's humility. And we see both this life and the next hinted at in the verse by the repetition of, and the life of Sarah was? These were the years of the life of Sarah. Rabbi Natan of Breslov expounds on this teaching that Sarah reflects the fourth level of humility. Whether she was 100, 20, or 7, she kept humbling herself more and more. When it's written, all of her days were good, it reflects her attaining true humility, which is the essence of life. The Midrash expounds on the verse as, The Lord knows the days of the perfect, and their inheritance shall be forever. Just as they are perfect, so are their years perfect, meaning the perfection of the person during those years. This comes to teach that turning a fall into a rise can elevate the dark spark into light, returning it to its source, perfecting it. And when that is done, the previous years are looked at as true repentance and perfection, and are looked at with chesed and not gevura. So looking back at the years from this standpoint, Sarah was perfect, as Rav Yochanan said, like a perfect calf. This is a strange statement, but in the Gemara it relates a story of Rabbi Akiva during his imprisonment by the Romans. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai would come to him to learn Torah and express his gratitude, and Rabbi Akiva responded, My son, more than the calf wishes to suck, the cow wants to give its milk. Rabbi Akiva was trying to illustrate that more than Rabbi Shimon felt the need and desire to learn, Rabbi Akiva needed to share. Hashem gives to us, and we are meant to give back to Him. That's the reciprocal relationship we must perfect in order to realize redemption. And that is what's meant by Sarah having perfect days like a perfect calf, because her chesed exemplified the kindness Hashem bestows on us always. And in that relationship, manifesting outward to everyone she came into contact with, Sarah brought down the light, the shekhinah, the cloud that hovered above her tent and perfected the give and take. Maybe take a moment to Google the Tree of Life or the Kabbalistic Sphirot. In a similar fashion, in Kabbalah, we see that the perfection of the first triad of the seven lower spherot, Chesed, Kivura, and Tiferet, paralleling the upper body, the second triad, paralleling the lower body, is Netzach, Dominance, Hod, Empathy, and Yesod, Foundation. Chesed and Kivura are both related to giving. Chesed is giving freely, while Kivura holds back from giving, as it's the practice of restraint and judgment. And the balance equals Tiferet, Harmony. We pray for the blessing of rain, but we need it given with restraint. Too much rain would drown us all. In Kabbalah, Yesod parallels the sexual organ. This is the organ with which a person can both give and receive pleasure. Yesod represents a reciprocal relationship. Of course, this, when perfected between a man and a woman, is the perfected state, one in which birth and creation manifest through partnerships with the Creator. 
The one-way relationship exemplified by the first triad, Chesed, Gevura, and Tiferet, has to be perfected within oneself before hoping to perfect the reciprocal relationship exemplified by the second triad, Netzach, Hod, and Yesod. Aria Kaplan illustrates the interplay of Netzach and Hod with a woman nursing her child. Nursing is giving, but can give a woman as much pleasure or even more than it gives the child. Femininity is what gives birth to all kindness, love, and the future and final redemption. Biologically, we see that the male is the giver and the female receives, nurtures, and proceeds to give much more than what she received. When the female receives over one million sperm cells, she only selects one, and from her one fertilized egg, she gives back a complete life, an infant. This is a receiving, but what comes from that is completion. The future is female because the future comes from completion of a moment, of an action. Rabbi Arya Kaplan explains that masculinity is giving, but the essence of femininity is receiving and completing. Whereas masculinity parallels Yitzira, which is something from something, the femininity of Malchut parallels Asiya, which is completion. The Sphira, the way the world was built and our interaction with it, are a balance of Chesed and Gevura, or masculinity and femininity. Rabbi Kaplan goes on to explain that another way of looking at Chochmah, wisdom, and Bina, understanding, is that in the five-dimensional array of the Sefirot, Chochmah is past and Bina is future. This is reflected in the Hebrew word Zachor, which means to remember. The same letters form the word Zachar, male. Similarly, the word Nekeva means female, but it derives from the same root as Nikev, to pierce. So Nekeva is like the womb, the place where the past, the Zachar, is able to manifest into something new. In essence, therefore, the past is male and the future female. Both Chochmah and the past can be explained as the information we have. The future, on the other hand, only exists in projection, which are a product of Bina. And since it can only ever be conjecture, we have to pierce into Bina to see it. King Solomon writes, The sun rises and the sun sets, and glides back to where it rises. Perush Harokeach asks why we would need scripture to tell us this, as it's common knowledge. He explains that this is to be understood as a parable, that before Hashem allows the son of the righteous leader to set, meaning before their passing, he causes the son of another righteous leader to rise. Their successor enters the picture. And we see here in the parasha that before Hashem caused Sarah's son to set, he caused Rivka's son to rise. In the last verse from our previous parasha, it's written, Behold, Milka too has borne children, and Bituel begot Rebekah. We see the same in regards to Moshe and Yahshua, as it stated, Hashem said to Moshe, Take to yourself Yoshua, son of Nun. Rivka is shown to reflect this trait of chesed, of light. And I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I will dwell. But I will go to the land of my birth and get a wife for my son Isaac. Rashi points out that Eliezer, Avram's servant, understood from Avram that he was instructing him to find a wife for his son Yitzchak they would be worthy of him, based on her personal qualities and deeds. Eliezer took it upon himself to test to see if the woman he chose was filled with chesed. This was important because Avram and Sarah's house was built on chesed, a house that was always welcoming and giving to everyone. This is seen when Eliezer said, For you have done chesed with my master. This is the meaning of the Gemara when it says, A bride whose eyes are beautiful, her whole body need not be examined. This means that if a bride is of good eye, then she is generous and has everything a man could want. With Rivka, who passed the test with flying colors, Eliezer found the perfect match for Yitzchak. We see how perfect in the verse when it stated that Eliezer had not even finished speaking when suddenly Rivka appeared. Every Shabbat we read Eshet Chayel, Woman of Strength, a poem taken from the end of the book of Proverbs. 
set as an alphabetic acrostic, depicting the woman clothed with strength and dignity. It is sung to the woman of the house as a thanks for her chesed and her strength both in the spiritual and the physical world. Though some read it allegorically as the woman behind the Shekhinah, divine presence, the Shabbat being our bride. The poem reads, She holds out her hand to the poor and extends her hand to the destitute. Charm is deceptive and beauty is not. A God-fearing woman is the one to be praised. Give her praise for her accomplishments and let her deeds laud her at the gates. Of course, the gate here could also correlate to the 50th gate of wisdom. Kabbalistically, the 50th gate of wisdom is connected to Malcha, which in the 10 Sphero emanations is the vessel that manifests the light of the Keter, crown. God's infinite light originates at a level that is beyond this world, physically inaccessible to us, but it's filtered down through the sphero until it reaches Malchut, out of which it shines onto us in our finite world. Infused in our tefillot, our prayers is the concept of Mashiach and the final redemption, and redemption is intrinsically related to women. Kabbalistically, the sphero of Malchut renews all of existence and reflects the feminine dimension. We are now in exile, so Malchut is in a state of descent, and does not receive direct influence from the other sphero. One can look at it like a woman in a state of separation from her husband, but in the redemptive state, in the highest sort of Malchut, reveals itself through the bonds between the various sphero to re-establish manifesting the light of infinite. The highest source of Malchut reveals itself and the bonds between the various sphero are re-established manifesting the light of the infinite. As we covered previously, the actions of our matriarchs and patriarchs are prophetic indicators of what is to come for future generations. Arizal explains that the future redemption will follow the pattern of our redemption and exodus from Egypt. In the prophecy of Micha, alluding to the final redemption, it's written, As in the days of your exodus from Egypt, I will show you wonders. And since our ultimate and final redemption will in some ways be a reincarnation of the redemptive state from Egypt, it just the same will be in the merit of the righteous women of our generation, the generation of Mashiach. The spherot act like a vessel for Hashem's light, concealing Hashem's light enough and in a way to benefit those that have to receive it. And so Malchut acts as the concealment of the divine light so that Hashem can interact with creation, which manifests from the tzimtzum, the constriction of Hashem's light, to be a bearable way that allows free will. In a sense, through Malchut, Hashem gives us a key to the kingdom where we receive and give and can create either light or darkness. Malchut is where the purpose of giving is realized, where the recipient can reciprocate and become a giver. This is why Malchut is seen as the feminine sphera. It's the ultimate vessel created to hold the light of the infinite. It's the definition of a recipient, as Zohar characterized it as having nothing of its own, receiving everything that it has from the preceding sphera, while simultaneously it's the sphera with the most power that literally unifies all the various powers of the different sphero. Without it, creation would be incomplete. Feminine energy in this sense is more unified and what manifests the future and completion. Sarah and Rivka shared this element to an angelic degree. That is why they are praised in the parasha as such. We have to keep in mind the level of righteousness our matriarchs had to reach without the guidance of the Torah. That paired with their surroundings, which were the antithesis of what they embodied. In Likutei it breaks down that when someone finds themselves in a place that's detrimental to their standards or way of life, there are three ways to preserve one's integrity. The first option is to strengthen one's self inwardly, so as not to be influenced by their surroundings. But this isn't ideal, because if one were to relax the walls they built up, they would surrender and fall to what they were trying to avoid. The second option is separating from those around oneself. But this too has a fault, because it's only an elevation by virtue of the removal of temptation. And since the person hasn't faced their challenges head on, 
they are prone to falling towards what they were trying to avoid. The third would be for the person to decide to live in an environment while trying to influence, inspire, and elevate it to the level they are striving towards. This is when one can triumph over the environment, because not only are you facing it head-on, you are changing it to what you need. This is what Avram and Sarah did by opening the four walls of their tent, and what they ensured would be the future by bringing Yitzchak and Rivka together. Rashi states that when Yitzchak brought Rivka to this tent, he brought her to the tent, and behold, she was Sarah, his mother, meaning she became the likeness of Sarah, his mother. For as long as Sarah was alive, a candle burned from one Sabbath eve to the next. A blessing was found in the dough, and a cloud was attached to the tent. When she died, these things ceased, and when Rivka arrived, they resumed. Yitzchak saw that Rivka emulated Sarah in the way that Sarah fulfilled the three mitzvot of the feminine, lighting candles on Friday night, baking challah and separating a portion for Hashem, and family purity, the laws governing the couple's intimate relationship, bringing it to an elevated and holy state. And for following in this path, Rivka merited the same three miracles. Her candles burned from Shabbat to Shabbat, her dough never spoiled, and the Shekhinah, a heavenly cloud, hovered over her tent. Chazal, our sages, teach that a man and woman enter into a partnership with Hashem when they marry. The Talmud teaches that the role of the man is to bring home the wheat, while the woman prepares it for eating. His job is to conquer by scouring the world for the necessary raw materials, and hers is to take the raw material and transform it to spiritualize reality and to use it to create a godly home. These three miracles, and indeed the three mitzvot to this day, are done by lighting Shabbat candles, which bring the holiness of Shabbat into the home, by separating challah before baking bread, she brings holiness into the food, elevating it back to its source. And by keeping the laws of Tarat Mishpacha, the family purity, she brings holiness into the body itself. The Midrash teaches, if you will keep the lights of Shabbat, I will show you the lights of Zion. This is the action needed to bring the complete redemption. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.